Education Events Coordinator Emily Crawl. Emily, this is the quiet edition of Rights to Life of Michigan's Life Beat because we're having apparent microphone issues. Um, I'm going to blame not myself for being a klutz, but someone else must have accidentally dropped it on the floor or something. But we can still be heard, right? I hope so. And the sound quality is pretty good. Possibly. Just a little background noise, I don't know. But this is much better than a Zoom call. And so... Uh, Today we're going to talk about, uh, let's see here, we agreed on before that uh, talk about puppy dogs, rainbows, um, coloring books, coloring books, throwing some flowers, mm. cat videos. I'm not a huge fan of cat videos. Okay. Uh, how about some Nine Inch Nails playing in the background? <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, so we're here to talk about the election and it's still going on. Um, Probably my favorite meme from the election is going to be Bill Murray from Groundhog Day saying, well, it's election day again. Um. I, I'm referring to it as the count that never ends. Yeah. Well, uh, always changing. And uh, you always see rumors that, uh, oh, it's going to be over. Nope. Oh, there's these, all these votes found. No. Um, we'll just have to play it by ear. So uh, we're going to talk about two results specifically in detail later. Uh, talk about a U.S. or Michigan House race in Bay County. Then we're going to talk about uh, the Michigan Supreme Court. But uh, let's just talk about overall. So uh, Emily, what was your impression overall? Overall? Yeah. How hilariously inaccurate the polls were. That would be also other than the chaos, the 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 polling. If the polling industry is not dead after this, um, then it should be completely ignored for all subsequent elections until they uh, learn learn how to do polls again. Yeah, let's start with the polls. So uh, Nate Silver is uh, a guru, a poll guru, I guess if you want to call him. His website, 538, takes all of these polls. He doesn't really do polls himself, but and then creates this model where we can guess how likely it is a certain candidate's going to win the election. And uh, as everyone knows, the polls were showing that Biden was um, anywhere between, what, I, before, a couple days before the election, I was hearing, what, 10 points ahead of Donald Trump. Um, obviously wasn't the case. And uh, Nate Silver, now... In full disclosure, I doubted Nate Silver, uh, who said that Obama was going to beat Romney, or who was likely to beat Romney, um, and uh, he was right and I was wrong. I thought for sure Romney was going to win, because they were tied in the polls and all the undecided people are going to break against the president. That's not what happened. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe Nate Silver is kind of right. And then 2016 happened, and I was like, oh, the polling was really bad. And I didn't know, I thought it was going to be bad this year. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. It was horrible. And just to show you how the polling industry is reacting so far, on a podcast, uh, Nate Silver was asked about that. And he took the criticism of the industry very personally and said, well, 538, 
you know what? F you. We did a good job. Um, well, I mean, I guess if all you're doing is averaging the polls and you do the math right, then I suppose that's doing a job. But when you are kind of the face of the polling industry and you continue to tell people that polling means something, and in the last few days, Nate Silver continues to try to defend this nightmare and saying, well, it was close to the margin of error and certain states were called right, therefore the polling was accurate. And, you know, our model, you know, gave Donald Trump a 10% chance of winning. Uh, so, you know, if anything happens, I mean... I guess, you it's know. It's like returning your parents' car after borrowing as a teenager. It's got one wheel, the bumper is gone, and there's some weird smoke coming out the back. But you returned the car, so it's fine. <laughs> it can still roll down the road. That's what a car does, right? Good analogy. Um, so I think, you know, we did an election recap on our website, and I think an important point to keep in mind is... Uh, not just candidate polling. So the candidate polling was hilariously bad. I mean, you look at Susan Collins, senator from Maine. The final poll was 14 points off the final result. Um, and, and these margin of errors, you know, the, the point of a margin of error is that, well, if you're asking 2,000 people to represent the views of 200 million people, that uh, it, just the very nature of the sample size means that that error is going to be off one way or the other. That's how they figure the, the errors, based purely on the sample size. Well, if you have the same sample size error, if your sample size error is 5% and you are within 5% of the result, uh, okay, technically you were mathematically there, but when every single poll is always five points to one side and never five points in Donald Trump's favor, anyone else's favor, that's your sign that something is systemically, we love to hear that word today, don't we? It's our new favorite it's word. Systemically wrong, as in what their polling companies are doing, uh, except for Robert, is it Cahaly or Cahaly of the Trafalgar Group and, and, and Rasmussen are doing it horribly wrong. And this isn't just candidate polling, this is issues as well. And so the, the working theory is that uh, the shy Trump voter or the shy Tory effect or whatever you want to call it is that uh, when you have an air, like an aura of political correctness surrounding everything that uh, and the media and pop culture is all on one side, that people on the other side are not going to want to be perfectly honest um, when they're answering a poll. You know, uh, when you kind of create this society kind of like, uh, I don't know, behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe, uh, where people think they're going to be punished for expressing their viewpoint, you can't be shocked when they don't express their viewpoint accurately. So um, uh, what's the term for that? Ket Ketman, that's the term. When you say something... Uh, or you don't really say what you fully believe because you're afraid that you're going to be tossed in the gulag or something else bad's going to happen to you. Now, we're not tossing anyone in gulags yet, although there are a few tweets in favor of that um, from blue check marks. More than such. a few tweets. So, uh, the polling is bad. Throw it out. You see a poll, burn it up. If you see a poll on an, on an issue like abortion, you know, that's the same problem that is you're asking a very controversial issue where even though half the country is pro-life, all of media and pop culture has decided killing babies good, um, people are not going to want to answer that poll honestly. And especially when people are really confused 
about the abortion issue and don't know it very well because the media does a deplorable, Hillary Clinton's favorite word, deplorable job explaining it. Um, <laughs> so it's a reason, especially on those opinion polling, like the abortion polling we see, it's a reason not to be discouraged by the numbers. Um, what what you see when you talk to your friends, with your family, with your neighbors, um, and based on your region, use that as a better marker than, than these polls done by groups that obviously have an ideological skew. Obviously. So, Emily, do you think that they're going to do anything to address it, or do you think they're just going to keep on doing what they're doing? They're going to keep on doing what they're doing. If history is any guide. Well, that's that. Um, I mean, it's really hard to talk about the total results because the presidency and the U.S. Senate control are still undecided. Um, right now, it's a 50 to 48 split in the U.S. Senate in favor of Republicans. Uh, so it's going to come down to those Georgia runoff elections unless the manual hand recount of the entire state of Georgia uh, gets at least David Perdue uh, above the 50% which means he won't have a runoff race. And if you don't know what a runoff race is, that's this fun thing they do in a couple states down south where you can run like a quadrillion candidates in the primary, and if no one gets above 50%, then they only take the top two, and then they have uh, another election a few months later. Um, so if you're, uh, I don't know, I guess if you're a fan of a third party, that's great, because you can vote third party, uh, and it doesn't steal the election um, like it may in other situations, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. Um, but that's uh, interesting system. They like elections, so they keep coming back for more. And that's the downside is Georgia is going to be ground zero for the largest election fight, uh, except for presidential elections, probably in American history. Um, so just in Michigan, what? $80 million was spent on John James and Gary Peters' campaigns. So if you have two Senate races in Georgia deciding the fate of the Senate and the United States of America for at least the next two years, I mean, we could see $200 million spent on that election? I would say that's probably a low guess. There's a, they're, they're already starting the efforts in Georgia. Um, Chuck Schumer's been, I think he was down in Georgia or making statements about Georgia. Um, you've got Andrew Yang asking Democratic voters to move to Georgia to vote in the runoff election because of their, yes, Andrew Yang was encouraging Democrats. Mr. Yang gang? Mr. Yang was encouraging. Missionary voting. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, it's going to be a wild ride um, the next couple of months here. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I love to Savannah this uh, any time of year. Um, so, yeah, if you're sitting there uh, and you're on a bench in Savannah, enjoying the Spanish moss hanging from the trees, eating a box of chocolates, telling your life story to someone waiting for the bus, you know, to take you to your dear friend Jenny. Oh, it's a Forrest then, Gump uh, reference. Then um, I'm sorry in advance because for the next two months... You're going to be getting it as bad as we did in Michigan. So Probably worse. I'm still getting texts right now about the Georgia Senate race to raise funding from all these celebrities, Emily. They love me. All these famous people, you know. Hey, it's me. It's the senator. It's this. I, it's me. It's Donald Trump. I'm texting you. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, overall, uh, we did 
I think the New York Times did a headline where basically said that the blue wall crashed in state houses, and I think that kind of sums up the election. Despite all the polling, we had a uh, uh, a wave of everybody, and uh, about 50-50. So you saw the Senate may have one fewer Republican. The House is going to have, what, about 15, 10, 15, somewhere about that fewer Democrats. Um, and change isn't going to be happening in Michigan. Uh so much money was spent on legislature. Republicans flipped two seats. Democrats flipped two seats. And so it looks like in the Michigan legislature, the Michigan House is going to have the same margin. Um, a lot of money and time and ink was spilled and everything. And status quo. So, uh, and that's probably not going to be very alleviating to anybody. And so it's going to continue to be uh, a very bitterly divided 50-50 country. And so um, keep that in mind for lifers. And you still have to try to reach people who vehemently disagree with you on a extremely controversial issue that is perhaps the number one or number two topic in politics, at least when it comes to judges and such. Um, and you have to navigate that. So how, how do you navigate that, Emily? I, I don't have a great answer. Uh, just keep navigating. Stay informed. Know know your know your truth. Um, go to sources. Look for data. Look for statistics. And and if something if someone says something that just it doesn't sit well or it doesn't seem right, look it up because um, they will try they'll try to use false information to make you a little unsteady, a little lose your footing a little bit, but uh, stand firm. We are, we are in the fight, and we're going to keep going for as long as it takes. long as it takes. We have uh, uh, talked a little bit about the Michigan House. Let's focus on one of the races, and we have a recap of it on our website, rtl.org, if you want to read it. So uh, this is a really important race that we invested a lot of time in. We actually spent uh, uh, time and money to send a letter uh, a personal letter from one of our staff members who uh, was a, his family's a staple in Bay City area, Bay County, uh, to 30,000 people. We sent a letter saying, hey, uh, your current representative, Representative uh, State Rep. Brian Elder, uh, is not a nice guy. And vote for the other guy, uh, Tim, I think it's Bazan. I Beeson, believe it. Bazan. Because uh, there's a John Bison, it's it's Bison. I think it's uh, names are hard. There's a couple <laughs> Bisons and Bisons now in Michigan politics. Uh, but anyway, um, this is a really important race because uh, just where Brian Elder started and where he ended up. So who is Brian Elder? Brian Elder is a was sort of a almost outspoken pro-life Catholic Democrat. And he won election up in Bay City. In Michigan, that Bay City area, there's just a contingent of pro-life Democrats. Uh, real, true blue uh, pro-life Democrats, kind of like they have in Louisiana. And who you can rely on to do the right thing. And we thought that Brian Elder was one of those guys. So in the uh, primary race in 2016 in August, uh, we were so happy that uh, he was running against the Planned Parenthood-backed candidate in the Democratic primary. So we went head-to-head -head in the primary against Planned Parenthood, and we and Brian Elder pulled it out. 
and he got elected and he was pro-life and he wanted to, you know, focus on getting more pro-life Democrats elected. And this is great news. And we thought this is awesome because in Michigan, I mean, we used to endorse almost half of the Democrats and half the Republicans uh, when we started. In fact, it's probably fair to say that a lot of the pro-life movement in Michigan and a lot of places was more Catholic Democrats than anybody, um, even though neither, neither of us are, are Catholics right now talking on so but that was kind of where the pro-life movement started from and brian elder just lost himself and, and this is how he did it and this will give you kind of an insight in how ridiculous politics is sometimes um so there was an election coming up in 2018 and we just assumed that uh we were going to be able to endorse brian elder again because he hadn't done anything or voted anyway to indicate that he didn't wasn't still pro-life. But we had trouble getting a hold of him, which we thought it was weird. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes candidates in primaries, if they don't have an opponent, they just don't get back to us. And then we end up, uh, the Ireland PAC endorses him in the general. Didn't think anything was too weird about it. So in Michigan, you have a filing deadline. And after the filing deadline, no more candidates can be on the ballot. They have to be write-ins. Immediately after the, fighting, the filing deadline for that 2018 election, he said, oh, I don't want your endorsement. Um, I don't like you guys anymore because, uh, uh, you know, something about Roy Moore running for Senate in Alabama, which we don't endorse Alabama Senate candidates. Um, you know, we're too close to Trump who didn't endorse Roy Moore, but who is pro... Anyway, um, what he did there was he waited until just after the filing deadline before letting us know so that we could not run another pro-life candidate against him. Uh, so I would call that a bit of a dirty trick and dishonest, leading a group to think that you're going to take their endorsement until the last possible second after and then telling, oh, no, I'm not. And by the way, I don't like you anymore. So that really frustrated us. And so, uh, but it didn't stop there. So we tried to talk to him. Uh, our staff in the area tried to meet with him. Tried to, uh, Pro-Life Pregnancy Center wanted to meet with him in the area. Uh, so we tried to figure out what's the deal. Can we smooth this over? And then uh, we find out that he wants to be Speaker of the Michigan House for the Democrats, or at least the majority leader. And unfortunately, in Democratic politics, in order to do that now, um, that wasn't always the case. The, we had a Democratic, the last Democratic Speaker of the House was a pro-life Democrat, Andy Dillon, uh, until he kind of, in, in the middle of his, he, he didn't really fight for us, which is very frustrating. But uh, what Brian Elder did is he triangulated that he had to be totally against us. And so what he did is he introduced legislation or someone did uh, attacking pregnancy centers, uh, pro-life pregnancy centers, attacking their First Amendment rights, even though the Supreme Court had just said that you can't do that, California. But he introduced almost identical legislation here. Um, he wanted his 30 pieces of silver, Emily. Did he get his 30 pieces of silver? No, he did not. No, he didn't. He did not win the race to be uh, the House Speaker or the Majority Leader. And so that was probably very upsetting for him, but he's still on the abortion side. And now, Emily, not only after, uh, not only 2018, is he not the House Speaker, House Majority Leader, he's not even in the House anymore. Poetic as justice. As of a couple weeks. Poetic justice. 
What, Emily, what, what possessed, now I don't know Brian Elder, but what possesses a man to go from, I want to recruit as many pro-life Democrats as possible, I'm willing to take this controversial stand to, I want to be the Speaker of the House, and pro-life people don't do enough to help pregnant women, so I'm going to, for my first act, directly attack pro-life people helping pregnant women. Power is a powerful motivator, and it makes people abandon all morals. And we see that, unfortunately, a lot with politicians. It's they get into office and and they they get I I'll say it, they get kind of drunk on the rush, and they just abandon what they believed in, and they abandon the values of the people who elected them. And the whole situation made, at least me, I think made us doubly angry because it's not like he didn't, you know, he had to publicly repudiate us to appease the, you know, powerful people uh, in order to be the House Speaker. He kind of attacked the pro-life pregnancy centers, you know. They're kind of like civilians. They don't, I mean, they don't do legislative stuff. They don't do come to political stuff. I mean, I'm sure some of the people who work there do, but... All they're doing literally is like giving, just trying to convince pregnant women not to have abortions. Um, sometimes I wish they would do that a little more strongly than they even do. Uh, give them diapers, clothes. They are the most inoffensive section of the pro-life movement humanly possible. And that was the segment that he decided needed to be legally penalized and punished uh, by the state. That is... Awful. Well, they're, Awful. they're also the segment of the pro-life movement that is the most direct attack to the abortion industry as well. So there, there's they a way... They hate them. The, the abortion industry calls pregnancy centers false clinics. They launch campaigns against them. They lobby against them, try to get legislation passed against yeah. them. Yeah, which just came across our desk today. Yeah, across our desk today, there is a pro-abortion student group who is starting a campaign to leave false reviews um, on Yelp and Google to discredit pro-life pregnancy centers around the state. Um, and basically label them false clinics and your Yelp review and your Google review kind of gives a lot of direction for who sees your business. Um, there's algorithms on their pl those platforms that prioritize businesses based on their reviews. And so it's a, it's a concerted effort to keep people from finding pro-life pregnancy centers online. And so like, they, they are really the point of attack for the pro-life movement because they're the hands and feet on the ground directly helping um, women in their physical and emotional needs uh, surrounding crisis pregnancies. But because of that, they're also, they're the direct competition for the abortion industry. So Planned Parenthood and private abortion clinics, that's their target because those are the people who are costing them money on their bottom line. Yeah, uh, and we'll see just how effective this is. I, I will say, uh, you know, a word of caution that uh, the abortion movement stinks at grassroots organizing. Um, they can all get together for one angry outpouring, like, event every four or five years and get a lot of headlines, but in between, they stink at organizing. They, re they really do. If you see a picture from some Planned Parenthood events, it's like, it's like three 
three, let's be honest, three old ladies sitting around a table carping about pro-life people. As, um, a, as a general rule, they're not very nice people. No, and they're not very nice, sadly. Not anything like the people who work at pregnancy centers and are very nice to everybody. So, Brian Elder, I can't repeat what I want to say right now because this is appearing on radio. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. Goodbye, <laughs> and we won't miss you. Bon chance! Farewell! <laughs> All right, uh, so before we bring you way down um, with the Michigan Supreme Court result, let's pick you up just a little bit and just congratulate anyone who helped out, voted pro-life, you know, uh, really in a, in a high turnout election, uh, historically that is always going to favor the Democrats who, because of the way the parties are splitting these days, um, tend to support abortion way more than the Republicans. And so... In a high turnout election, usually that benefits the Democrats. Yeah, what we saw was both sides uh, turned out in massive numbers. I think this will be the greatest turnout uh, in a presidential election since the 19th century. And if anything, pro-lifers made gains in most places, um, except for the presidency. And, uh, of course, except in Michigan, in the Michigan Supreme Court. And so what happened was there were two openings. One was the current Chief Justice, who we figured was probably going to win because uh, it says Chief Justice right there on your ballot. And unless people are really mad about the Supreme Court, they're going to say, oh, well, okay, that one. Uh, and then for the other slot, the other person who won, uh, just like the Chief Justice, was endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Uh, so Bridget McCormick is the Chief Justice, endorsed by Planned Parenthood, and won. And then a Grand Rapids attorney, Elizabeth Welch, was the other Planned Parenthood endorsee, and she won. And um, we'll get to why that's critical in a second, but uh, the reason that the top Republican nominee who Rights Life Michigan PAC endorsed didn't win, her name is Mary Kelly, is uh, the margin of victory was the Libertarian candidate, Carrie Morgan. And apparently uh, one or two influential people told everyone to vote for Carrie Morgan um, because he's so great. Except the problem was you know, when candidates file for elections and they file a waiver saying, I'm not going to spend more than $100 on a race. You know, Emily, it's really hard to win a statewide election race if your max spend is going to be $99. Like, yeah. if, if a candidate spends more on pizza for volunteers for door knocking on a Saturday than you for an entire statewide race, you're not going to win. You can't win. No. Impossible. Well... 2020 nothing's impossible but almost impossible but he got 300,000 votes this guy and that's the libertarians thought that maybe that's great but the practical effect now is democratic nominees have a four to three majority in the supreme court of those four democratic nominees three are, are endorsed by planned parenthood which means they will do whatever they want the only one who wasn't is richard bernstein um, the, uh, you know, of Call Bernstein, uh, Call Sam, you know, his dad, and uh, is blind. Um, he is not given an indication, really, that he's going to be pro-life or even maybe an Anthony Kennedy who's going to try to play down the middle. Um, I've never seen any Democrat criticize Richard Bernstein. And so it's pretty fair to say that Planned Parenthood owns the Supreme Court, Emily, and... What does that mean for us? 
It means that getting any pro-life legislation on the books in Michigan is, um, we've got a serious roadblock in the way because it means Planned Parenthood can challenge any legislation that's pro-life that we put forward that passes. And um, it goes to the Michigan Supreme Court and those politicians in, in the form of judges, I'm going to put it that way, who took donations and were endorsed by Planned Parenthood, it's a pretty good chance that they're going to go and decide in the favor of the abortion industry. So really, we've got this huge roadblock on the way to protecting lives in Michigan. And it's going to, it's not impossible to overcome it. But we've seen, especially with the US Supreme Court, that pro-abortion ideologues always choose abortion. And a lot of people wondered, are you gonna are you guys gonna do a dismemberment ban again? Hopefully this time without uh, another group taking <laughs> taking effort away from us. You know the heartbeat folks. Uh, well, the problem is, uh, you know, we did our job. We still have a pro uh, we still have a pro life Senate. You know, the Republicans kept the majority in the House, uh, so the pathway is there for that to do the citizen initiated legislation, but. You got to have the court. And so elections have consequences. That's why the RLM PAC does what it does. Uh, and so when we're rolling around another election in two years, remember that, that we endorse candidates to win. And we only want to win because we want to pass pro-life legislation. When we don't achieve that goal, we can't do that. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again uh, next week. We'll have our special Faith in Life feature. Other than that, enjoy our fall weather, and we'll see you next week.